Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you every week from my studio in Dallas, Texas. Money and purpose. You are so confused by both of them. You think that they don't go together. That making money and being on purpose are conflicting ideas. They are not. In my opinion, they go hand in hand like peas and carrots. And my guest today is an example of how money and purpose collide and eventually ended up leading him to being tops in his industry. Rondi Lambeth is a retired firefighter, a licensed pilot, a father, a grandfather, and oh yes, probably the leading expert in credit and financial strategies on the planet. Welcome, Rondi, to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, man. I know you're not feeling so good, so we're going to get after it. Look, Rondi, here's how you and I met each other, and you didn't know we met each other this way, but I saw your speech at Harvard on YouTube. Oh, awesome. And, uh, and then, of course, it ended up me learning a little bit more about you, which then made me see that you were connected with Cardone as I am and Brad Lee as I am and all that sort of stuff. But I knew you before I knew that you were connected in that sort of circle because of that speech at Harvard. Cool. And that's, that what, that's what led me to the connection between purpose and money, right? Because, uh, I mean, you, you, know, you had been fighting, you had been searching, longing, living this purpose of helping other people. And then the, 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 the tragedy with your brother occurred and it really sort of, it was that pivot point. It was that sort of right angle. So I'd like to start there if you don't mind. I mean, you were a decorated um, a military veteran. You were decorated in the fire department. You were actually at the scene of Combine helping bring the children to the hospital and get them better, but yet none of that was really the extreme uh, pivot point for you. The pivot point came when your brother committed suicide. Yeah, you know, it's with the fire department and the military, um, you know, I don't even know how many people, lives that we've saved, um, the the firefighters and I and, and being on a medevac helicopter in the army, because you pick them up, you take them to the hospital and you, you really don't see them again. Um, with one exception, one of the girls that, so my partner and I were brand new EMTs for the, when the Columbine high school shooting went down. And so they sent us rookies to this call, which was a sprained ankle. And what we found out was there was actually 13 kids that were shot laying in this cul-de-sac and it was just utter chaos so the call was you know there's kids laying in the street one had been shot in the ankle they transposed it as a broken ankle so here we are three rookies and we you know we did our best that we could i mean two rookies we did our best that we could and years later uh, i actually was at an event to speak and ran into one of the girls that we had transported and saved her life and (laughs) Neither one of us spoke that night because we, we just we were emotional wrecks over it. But mm. um, as a firefighter and in the medevac helicopter as well, you, you just never get to see them again. And now with Fortress Credit Pro, I get to see these people. And I don't always get to meet them, but I get to see their stories on Instagram and Facebook. And I get to see their uh, the fact that they didn't get divorced. They they didn't have suicide. They no longer are sick. They got the job they wanted. They got the house they wanted. They got the car. And we get all these thank you letters and voicemails and videos. And so there's that, the selfish side of me 
really enjoys that part. It really pushes me to help more people. Um, and really, that's what it is, a selfish side of me. But sometimes we need that to keep us going, right? That fulfillment. Yeah, uh, but, but what's interesting to me, though, is that you weren't feeling that fulfillment from the fire department. And, and, and actually, you know, because of your brother's story, that's actually where you began to look and say, I'm not being fulfilled, right? I'm, I'm actually not on purpose. I'm chasing something that, that while I'm chasing this, I'm missing what's right in front of me. Is that fair to say? Yeah, at the time, I knew something was missing because I, I didn't feel like that that's all I had. You know, I had won Firefighter of the Year. I had all kind of awards. And, I mean, I loved it. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's, it's one of the greatest jobs on the planet, and it's very fulfilling. But I thought I have a bigger purpose. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I could save 10 lives a day as a firefighter, but if I don't go to work tomorrow – someone else is going to fill in for me. Hmm. And with my financial services company now going on the 11th year, if I don't go to work, someone's going to fill in for me. But in the beginning, it yeah. still, you know, it needed me and we don't help, you know, 10 people a day. We help tens of thousands of people a day. Yeah. And I want to help millions of people. Yeah. So now I finally feel like, Hey, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I got plans to even reach more people but I think this is where I need to be, and this is what fulfills me, and, and everybody's different. Yeah, everybody's different. I mean, purpose uh, is, is unique for everybody, but for me, they are connected. Then there's nothing wrong with feeling on purpose and making money at the same time, right? So, But let's get to, into Fortress for a little bit because that's really an important aspect of the show. I only want to deliver value to the audience, and, and obviously the name of the show is You Need More Money. It connects to my book that comes out next month uh, published by penguin i think just before i walked in the studio the publisher just sent me the actual first prints i think they actually came into my office i didn't open it because i was rushing to do this with you but that's a pretty exciting thing but the point is people got to get their money right uh most people are behind in my opinion the data tells me that my real life stories with my brother-in-law who we lost him uh, at 46 two years ago he was way behind and uh, i talk about it at length in the book it's the, the reason for the book but you have this inside view, my friend, because you see the credit of thousands and thousands of people. You get the view that nobody wants to talk about. And what does that view tell you about most people's financial situation? Well, I can tell you, you know, some of the stats that money.com has done, Forbes has done it, and that is 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 67% of Americans don't pay off their credit card. Uh, every month, which means they're financing their Taco Bell, their Burger King, their mm -hmm. McDonald's, yep. their Starbucks. And they're financing it for 20 years. And people say, no, no, they're not. But they are if they don't pay it off every month. 67% are not paying off every month. Over 72% of people in this survey were asked if they, if they had to come up with $1,000, could they do it? Life-threatening emergency over 70% couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So that tells me they're behind. And where they're further behind is, is the financial education side of it. We are specifically taught a pattern in our school system not to be thinkers, not to be entrepreneurs, and, and to just go to work every day, go to school, get good grades, get to college, retire, 
And we're, we're fed this from a very young age, including go into debt. It's normal. Finance your school, whatever it takes, so you can get a college degree, even though you don't need it anymore. And so they're fed. And I think that's the biggest hindrance of why they're behind. Is that your opinion, that people don't need a college education anymore? That is my opinion. The only people, that, <laughs> in my opinion, the only people that need a college education are specialists, doctors, attorneys, mechanics, plumbers. You know, they don't necessarily need a, a, they need a certification in some, some cases, but, uh, you know, doctors, obviously they need a, a degree or some type of um, training. But, you know, 87% of all doctors that were interviewed in this study out of thousands of doctors, 87% say they wouldn't do it again. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with lawyers, too. Same thing with lawyers. I never met a lawyer who likes his job. They all hate their jobs. And I met a ton of them. So, And I've used a ton of them, too. Yeah. Um, So let's just talk about other data points that you see on the bureaus. What would you say the average American or the average client that you're looking at, how much credit card debt are they actually carrying? What's the balance total, all aggregate? Yeah, I think the the last uh, number I looked at was the average American, working American, has $27,000 of credit card debt. Mm -hmm. And what kind of average interest rate would be going against that? The average interest rate right now is 16% on credit cards. Yeah, that's a nightmare. (laughs) And there's there's some. I I have a credit card. I was explaining this to my my girls. Every Sunday we do a Lambeth Sunday dinner, and we we talk about our goals and finances, and we go over our personal income statement and stuff. And I was showing them a credit card is 26.99%. And I was showing how I'm not paying it off every month. Well, they thought that was crazy, but they didn't read the fine print, which was 0% interest. And so there's a strategy on your cards and what you need to do with your cards. But the biggest, biggest problem that I see on credit reports is lack of credit cards or overutilization of credit cards. You're saying that the balance they're carrying makes their available credit less than 50%, which begins to impact the score. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, that that, uh, 50% thing came down from a banker and that probably a real estate agent, a mortgage broker, a banker told you 50%. Uh, The real number is 10. Hmm. So anything over 10%, your score is going to go down by 10 points. Interesting. Have a card at 50%, you just lost 50 points. Yeah, 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 I got it. So, and look, we're in the credit business. We lend it for uh, yeah. heavy industrial equipment. So, I mean, we're you know we 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 get that. That is a that is a data point that I did not know. Um, I always did know look at it as fifty percent, not at ten percent. So that's good to know. Let me ask you a couple questions. Um, specific to inquiry, and I want to go specific on some credit stuff if you don't mind, because yeah. I want the audience to really get it. We're talking the average American, working American, is holding a twenty-seven thousand dollars credit card balance. The average interest rate is 6%. 16. 16%. I'm sorry, 16%. Yeah. And then tell me about inquiries. How If someone gets their credit pulled, what is that doing to their score? Here's the thing with inquiries. Uh, 90% of all inquiries are completely ignored. They only impact the credit score for up to six months. And majority of people, they don't impact the score at all. If you have a 740 or higher credit score, you're going to be in a low-risk, high-score scorecard, and there's over 4,000 different FICO scorecards, inquiries don't impact you at all. Hmm. Inquiries have no relevant impact on your credit score. None. You won't find it anywhere on the FICO charts. You won't find it any in the FICO codes. Inquiries do not impact credit scores. Scorecards impact credit scores. If you have 
if you're in a high risk scorecard and you apply for new credit, you may see your credit score go down, but it's not the inquiry. It's the fact that you're in a high risk scorecard. Dude, I told you I was bringing the best in the business. <laughs> Listen, I've been in this business for 25 years and I'm learning so much here this morning. Some of the stuff I'm talking about to my staff and even to clients is not actually as current as it could be. And that's why I got you on the show. Awesome. So what you're telling me then is it's not the, it's the makeup of the algorithm of the scorecard and not actually these specific data points. That's correct. It's not the inquiry. Yeah. Uh, we used to charge for inquiries and we, you know, we delete all these inquiries and their scores wouldn't change. They didn't want to pay us. So now we're like, you know what? We'll do the inquiries for free mm. just to get people to stop asking about it because it, it's, it's like having stage four cancer and complaining to your cancer doctor about your hangnail. Uh, they're gotcha. there, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but they, they don't impact you on the scores where inquiries do make a difference is on commercial loans, business credit, and high-reward credit cards. Why people think inquiries do hurt them is because the banks use it as an excuse not to give them the loan or not to give them the credit card. So I'm really glad you went there because I was going uh, to finish with, even though we might be you know, discounting inquiries and treating them as a hangnail. From my interpretation, if I see someone who's got their credit pulled 18 times in the last two months, I'm saying to myself, how much has he borrowed that I haven't seen yet? Yep. What did my competitors see that I'm not seeing? Did they approve? Did they not approve? And if they approved, how much? And I need to then analyze the financial statements to determine can cash flow coverage handle this new. So inquiries are important to us from that standpoint. What is your opinion of me looking at inquiries like that as the finance company? Yeah, that, that's the, the way you need to look at it. And that's how FICO looks at it is because creditors a.k.a. furnishers that furnish the data to the credit reporting agencies are known not to have up-to-date records. Mm -hmm. And it's very common for you to apply for a loan and they don't report it for six months. And that's why FICO, when you get all these inquiries, will move you from scorecard to scorecard. Because FICO doesn't know if you got that loan or not. FICO doesn't know that maybe in between that inquiry and the new inquiry, you hired a company like mine and I deleted all of your collections. And the previous lender saw the collections where you pull it, you don't see the collections because I removed them. Yeah. So you're looking at it the right way. And that's generally how inquiries impact you. And there is a way to get inquiries removed from your credit report. It's very simple. Uh, it's very effective. But they don't hurt scores, but they do impact your ability to get loans or finances. Yeah, and so let's talk about what Fortress does just for a second. Fortress will do what, Rondi? Give me the give me the, the the simple six year old description of what your firm does. Fortress is America's first paid on results credit repair company. So our clients come to us; they get a free consultation. If they decide to hire us, we do the work. Thirty days later, we check their credit. If, or I should say, when we can prove that we deleted items from the credit report, we invoice them, and then we wait for payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an 80% deletion rate, 80-plus percent, uh, depending on the item. But that's what we are. We're paid on performance. Yeah, but how, how often do you do the performance? And the guy's like, yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Appreciate you. Uh, 17% of the people don't pay us. Amazing. 
But remember, 100% of the people that hire me didn't pay somebody at some point. <laughs> In fact, so, I can get 83% to pay me is a pretty good deal. It's like but, my old man used to say. He said, you can make a deal with the devil as long as you know you're making a deal with the devil, right? Yeah. Uh, you know what's, what's funny about that is there are people that don't pay the company that fixed their credit thinking they're going to get away with it. <laughs> there is re- repercussions to paying the fix, not paying the fixer because he can break it. stuff. <laughs> I love that. Let's talk about specific things yeah. that most people do not understand about their credit. Number one, number two things that people are completely clueless about. We've already talked about a couple, but keep going with me. Give me two more. Uh, number one is credit cards. I got to go over that again. Number one is credit cards. You have to have three credit cards at all times. So I call this my 311 rule. Three credit cards at all times on your credit report reporting. Keep your utilization rate between 1 and 10%, so that's Amazing. the second part Dude, of the that's report. that's so unique to me. That's so much lower than I thought. 1 to 10. Every 10% you go up, you lose 10 points. Mm. And it doesn't matter if it's on over all of your cards or on one card. You max out one card, you're going to lose 100 points. Um, and, and so FICO's looking at this all the time. And then the third part of the 311 rule is installment loans. Never pay them off early. It will only hurt you in the end. Instead, you want to pay your installment loans, your car loans, your SBA loans, your student loans, boats, RVs, motorcycles, whatever it is. An installment loan You pay it down to the number of months remaining times a dollar. So if you got a five-year loan on a car and you got three years left and you're trying to pay it off early, pay it down to $30, $40, and then pay a dollar a month for the remaining term. Mm. And think about it this way. You know, if you you have kids. I have three boys. All right. Did you want them to be born at three months along the way or nine to ten months along the way? Yeah, right. We want the full we want the full bank. The bank wants you to go full term. Mm -hmm. And when you pay off the loans early, you're actually punishing the banks. And so they, in turn, punish you through FICO's algorithms by lowering your credit score by as much as 75 points. Hmm. So three credit cards, 1% to 10% utilization rate, and pay your loans down by a dollar a month for the remaining term. Hmm. Those are the three things that I would tell you that most people screw up. Those are the three big ones. Those are the three big ones. Yeah. All right. I got twenty-seven grand in credit card debt on a 16% uh, rate. Help me with the strategy that gets me down to zero. Well, the easiest way to do it is to call Fortress, and we will dismiss that debt at 45% without destroying your credit, without 1099. No, no, no. It's legit. I borrowed it. It's legit. Oh, yeah. We can, we can do that through our debt dismissal company. Um, but the fastest way and the best way to get out of debt, if you're going to pay it back, is you want to attack. Hold on, hold on. A I want yeah. to be clear about that for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the question was, I have 27000 of legit debt at a 16% rate. And if I heard you right, you said 45% of people can get that dismissed. No, no. 100% of people can get that dismissed through my company, and they pay me 45% at 0% interest No kidding. over three years. So we had a client yesterday enrolled $300,000, a little over three hundred grand in business credit card debt, signed the paperwork yesterday. We assume the loans, assume the credit cards, and in six months, that will completely d- be dismissed. He's going to pay us zero money out of pocket because he's paying us with a credit card that we also enrolled 
So no money out of pocket, 300 grand is wiped out, doesn't impact his credit, doesn't pay taxes on it, and go right back to those banks and get more credit cards. When you say doesn't pay taxes on it, are you talking about by the bank charging that off, then sending you a 1099? That's correct. Yeah. There's no 1099. There is no long-term damage on the credit. You don't, you know, there's nothing. It's, it's like doing bankruptcy without doing bankruptcy. And we use federal laws uh, that regulate these credit card companies to completely dismiss that debt. Mm. But mm. if you didn't want to go through that program, whether it's leg- the credit card debt's legit or not, doesn't matter. Uh, but if you wanted to learn how the fastest way to pay down your debt is you ignore the interest rate and you go after your smallest loan or smallest debt, whether it's $100 or you know a million dollars, it's the smallest debt, and that's where you hammer all of your money. You pay minimum payments on everything else. All the extra money goes into the smallest debt until it's paid off. Most people do it based on interest rate. And then they have, you know, they'll be good for a couple months. They fall off the wagon because they're not getting those wins. And so they quit. So we teach to go after the, the smallest debt and attack it. Yeah, that also builds momentum, right? It also it builds begins momentum. To, yeah, because yeah. you get little wins along the you way. You get little wins along the way. Yep. yep. Well, listen, I, I, that is some unbelievable uh, stuff. I, I'm like very intrigued by the idea of this business charge off doesn't affect you goes to zero thing because you know for the tens of thousands of pieces of equipment that we financed I haven't had that and maybe that's because we're protected because of the UCC filing or the lien on the title I don't know about that yeah. but uh I mean I guess we always have the the lien against the collateral um which, which gives us cash but I I just don't I just haven't seen that happen uh, very often. And now I'm sure a number of our clients who listen to the podcast will be calling you and saying, hey, we just borrowed half a million from Monero. Rondi, uh, take this guy out for me. Yeah, no. It has to be unsecured debt. Credit it has cards to be unsecured debt. Loans. Okay, gotcha. Unsecured credit cards, student loans, mm. uh, bank loans. And, you know, this is why I got invited to Harvard was they had all those doctors there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. wiped out, we, we wiped out million. Last year we did over $50 million that we wiped out of student loans. Of student loans. Um, of student loans, yeah. So student loans and credit cards. And the gist of it, when I was explaining this to Grant Cardone last time I was in Miami, he's like, damn, I'm going to go max out my credit cards and give them to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, don't do that, Grant. He's like, I know, I'm just joking around. But but uh, many of his employees did it. <laughs> many of the employees do loans. Unbelievable, so, man. The way the program works is really simple. Is You've, all, you've always gotten – uh, terms and conditions updates on your credit cards. Every year you get one, right? What do you do with it? Nothing. Throw it out. Nothing. You throw in the trash. Legally, by you not disagreeing with those terms and conditions, you now agreed to the terms and conditions. And the moment you swipe that credit card, those those go into effect. Hmm. So your interest rate went from 10% to 20%. You didn't say no. You swiped the card. You accepted it at 20%. We do the exact same thing. We send them the terms and conditions as the new owner of the debt or the new creditor. We send that to them and say, hey, look, we're taking on this debt. These are our terms. If you cash the check, you accept it. They accept it. They violate the terms. Therefore, we don't have to pay back the debt. That's how the program works hmm. in a 45-second hmm. 
crafty guy you are, Rodney. Yeah. Crafty guy. All, it's all, everybody calls them loopholes. They're not loopholes. They're laws. Yeah, well, I mean, I know that. Uh, let me ask you this. What about uh, disputing the bureaus where you send in the letters? If they don't uh, verify the debt is accurate within 30 days, it has to be removed. Is that a legitimate strategy? It is if you if you do it the proper way. If you just dispute something because it's a negative item, it's not going to work. That's what most people do, most companies do. That's why they charge up front, which is illegal in all 50 states. I do know that. Do I do know that it, that it is illegal. Services must be performed That's before correct. you can charge. I do know that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it's it's illegal. You know Jerry Starr? I don't. One of Grant's friends, he, he does a lot of hard money loans. And he's the one that got Grant that, that first airplane and the first rolls. But he said that, sent me a guy yesterday, and the guy's like, no um, – I got this guy who charges up front and guarantees results. I'm like, you're dealing with a felon. You know, he's committing felonies and you're sending him business and you're going to get in trouble. So it is illegal, which is back to your question is, does disputing the items, do they have 30 days? Look, they don't even read the letters anymore. Right. OCR machines read it. They get 30,000 plus letters a day. Yep. And these machines read it, goes through a scanner. The scanner sends a code overseas the person at the other end clicks verified it goes back and it's done you got to get past the machine and the reason that my competitors charge up front or monthly is because they don't know how to get past the machine or they don't want to get past the machine because if they're charging you monthly why would they ever want to fix your credit of course they want that monthly subscription yeah so what we do is we don't just send the dispute letter on a negative item because legally you can't dispute a negative item. You can only dispute inaccurate items. Yep. So what most people, they get confused. They think, well, this is a legitimate bankruptcy. This is a legitimate charge-off. This is a legitimate foreclosure. Doesn't matter if it's legitimate. It matters if it's legally reported accurately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great example. Bank of America loves... To only report the last four digits of a credit card on your credit report. Now, you've seen probably thousands of credit reports, mm-hmm. right? You always see the last four or a bunch of X's. The Fair Credit Reporting Act of 1970 says the, if, if a furnisher reports, it must have an accurate account number. The last four of a credit card is not accurate. If you try to buy something with the last four, can you buy something? Yeah, I like where you're going with this, buddy. Right? And so we dispute the account number, not the fact that you didn't pay Bank of America. Yeah. We dispute the account number. They then come back and say, the Bank of America will come back and say, we got your dispute. However, you did not include the entire account number. Therefore, we're not going to do anything. Right? That's why they don't do the full account number. It's not to protect your identity. Unbelievable. Right? Because in order for us to dispute, it must include the full account number. But we purposely don't do it for that letter. Then we respond with, you're violating FCRA, Section 509, blah, blah, blah. The fact that you don't have an accurate account number on my credit report, and we attach a copy of the credit report because they don't know what's on the credit reports. And we demand a deletion. And if they don't delete it, we have attorneys in our office that we file lawsuits against them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they never go to court. We get a check and they go away. So that's one of the ways that we dispute it. Uh, On bankruptcies, people, they think bankruptcies are hard. We're 99% effective getting bankruptcies removed. 
And the way we get bankruptcies removed is on every bankruptcy file number, it must have the date, how many people had already filed bankruptcy in that, in that court district, and the judge's three initials. But they never include all three. And that's why when you look at these credit reports, it looks like three different bankruptcies because the file number is different on every single credit reporting agency. Mm-hmm. Which one's right? The law says it has to be accurate. It has to be a full and accurate file number. But none of them put the accurate file number on it. So it's very easy to get deleted if you know how to dispute it. If you simply say, I didn't file bankruptcy, one, it's illegal, two, it's unethical, and three, it doesn't work. So you go after the mistakes, like the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, it's also like uh, when Slick Willie said, uh, depends what your definition of is is, mm-hmm. right? It's a little bit. Yeah. No, listen, I, I get it, though. And um, there is a big business in credit repair. There is not a big business in legitimate quality credit repair. There are tremendous amount of scams out there. And, uh, you know, we, we do know the, some of the same people. And obviously one of the first things I did was tell me a little bit about Rondi, right? Yeah. And, and the response came back, oh, this guy's the real deal. Good. <laughs> this guy's the real deal. So I congratulate you on that, man. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to, uh, to have you on the program. Thank you. I mean, there's probably seven or eight fantastic strategies that you've delivered here. The problem becomes the average person is going to dispute negative items on their credit report and the machine is going to verify it and kick it back and it didn't do anything. And so you wasted a lot of time. I mean, there is the argument that you have to go to a pro. Look, I'm not making anything from Rondi on this. I'm delivering value to the consumer and to the audience. So Rondi, how do people find out about you? Because I think there's a lot of people who need you. Yeah, the the best way is go to the website, fortresscreditpro.com. FortressCreditPro.com or go to Google and type in Rondi Lambeth, R-O-N-D-I. You'll find me Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all the rest of them. Where's the Rondi come from? Such an unusual name. Where's it come from? You know, my I have hippie parents, mm. and my mom thought she made it up, but in the 70s, 60s, late 60s, <clears throat> there was a, a very popular actress named Rondi from Europe. And I think my mom saw it on credits as a teenager and thought she made it up, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm named after a woman actress from England. Okay, gotcha. Hey, Rondi, thanks, man, for being on Be the back. on the program and being transparent enough to give us these real strategies. You know, so many people, and that's what I love about doing this is and, and bringing the people I bring. So many people will be like, well, you got to talk to my company. I mean, call me for that secret. I appreciate you giving some of the inside yeah. scoop on it. Hey, so. here's the thing. I, I, I did a radio show for ever se- over seven years. I've, I did over 50 TV interviews last year. I have over 2,000 radio shows on my website and on iTunes. So if you just go to iTunes Credit Repair Radio, you'll find me. You can also go to Fortress Credit Pro, click on the radio show. There's 2,200 episodes, and I teach you everything that you need to know about your credit and how to fix your own credit if you want to do it yourself. Killer. Love it. Powerful. Rondi, thanks. I'll see you down the road. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.